Well, I want to welcome you all to another Daily Decade, your rosary on the road. We have a, another rosary today that we're going to do, as I mentioned yesterday, anybody who's a daily listener, and I know that there are some out there, uh, and God love you. Uh, we have another different rosary to pray today than our usual Decade of the Dominican Rosary, which I think everybody is more or less familiar with. But because today is the commemoration uh, or the feast of our Mother of Sorrows, it seems appropriate to pray the Chaplet of the Seven Sorrows, uh, which can be found. There's there's a variety of of different iterations of this Chaplet. The one that I'm most fond of, which I won't unfortunately be able to do because it's so long, is the well. Actually, I did do this um, for um, the Feast of the Seven Sorrows proper. And I have to go and get that audio and post it so that you have access to it. But the one that I'm most fond of is the one that's found in the Glories of Mary by St. Alphonsus Liguri, which is an excellent meditative prayer, at least on par with the Stations of the Cross that St. Alphonsus also uh, dictated or composed or uh, that he edited. There are two variations of the Stations of the Cross, for those of you who are unfamiliar. The first one is the one that's done according to the style of St. Francis of Assisi, who is really the originator of the Stations of the Cross as a popular devotion. And the other one is the one that was assembled or, or performed in the, in the style of St. Alphonsus Liguri. I think St. Alphonsus is probably the more popular of the two now. I know it's the one that we do at my parish, and it's, come to think of it, it's the one that I remember doing growing up, even at the Novus Ordo Parish that I grew up in. So it's, it, it's the popular version. Uh, but he also was responsible for the collection, or perhaps even the uh, com- composition, of several other prayers and devotions to our Blessed Mother. And one of those is the chaplet, or the rosary of the Seven Sorrows which you can find or um, you can actually make yourself uh, with uh, the seven sorrows and seven beads, seven small beads instead of of ten in every decade between the different sorrows. And it's a wonderful devotion, especially for contrition. And that's the one that I want to pray with us today. I don't have any special intentions in the inbox, and I encourage you to change that. Send in your special intentions and prayer requests, especially for Holy Week. Uh, It's a time of intense prayer. Uh, If you have any loved ones who are apart from the church, now is an especially good time to pray for their conversion of heart and their return to the church, Uh, especially if they are godless altogether. Uh, If they have departed the faith and live a life of sin, this is an excellent time to pray for their return. The mercies of God are great at Eastertide, and our penances are multiplied during Lent. So if you have prayers, even if you don't send them into me, now is the time to redouble your efforts and find a good novena for contrition and penitence. Uh, But if you do want us to pray for you, and I would love to do so, uh, please send in your requests to dailydecadrequests at protonmail.com. That's decade, D-E-C-A-D-E, requests in the plural, at protonmail.com. And I have it read here on the show with the degree of anonymity that you indicate in your email and have everybody in the audience pray for you, which is growing. The audience is growing. We are now on Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, 
a couple of other places that I've never heard of before. Uh, Breaker's one of them. I'd never heard of that before. And uh, Radio Publica, Publicum, Public, Radio Public. Uh, anyway, those are two other places I never heard of. We are featured on there. You can subscribe to us on there. If you have Spotify, please do subscribe to us. Uh, it gives me a good indication of the reach that this is having and uh, allows me to make decisions going forward as to what to do with the broadcast. So it's it's helpful to me. It's not just I don't make any money off of this. That would be an inf- that would be uh, an infamia. Uh, it's uh, I, I don't uh, I'm not interested in profiting off of our Lord uh, except in so far as I gain grace, and that that should be true of anybody. So uh, the reason why I ask for subscriptions on or follows or whatever it is that they do on these different podcast apps is 100% just to get analytic data. That's it. Um, and no, it, I, I can't see who you are. I can just see the numbers. But please do, if you feel comfortable doing so, uh, and and write in to let me know with comments or really anything at all that uh, you've got on your mind. Uh that we can uh, incorporate into the show, uh, into the broadcast. Sorry, when you're driving, you get distracted from time to time by the flashing blue lights that you see. Anyway, uh, now I want to turn our attention to the rosary. And uh, for an intention today, I think it's best that we keep it simple with no special intention. Just for anyone who is suffering sorrows that those sorrows will be transfigured for them and they'll see the hand of God and uh, in everything that happens to them and turn those to their betterment oh and uh, today I'm going to do this in English today uh, just because it makes sense to do it in English uh, it's an unfamiliar prayer for most people and even if I did it in Latin the only thing I'd be doing in Latin is really the Aves and the Gloria so uh, the rest of it is all would all be in, in English anyway most of these prayers you'll know uh, except for the Antiphon which if you want to pray along with me is uh, O most sorrowful mother teach me to share thy sorrow at the death of thy son that's the, the antiphon that, that would take the place of pray for us, most holy mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. It's this, that's the same. It, goes in, it fills that space. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. O oh my God, I am heartily sorry for having offended thee, and I detest all my sins, because I fear the loss of heaven and the pains of hell. But most of all, because I have offended thee, O God, who are all good and deserving of all my love, I firmly resolve, with the help of thy grace, to confess my sins, to do my penance, and to amend my life. Amen. The first sorrow of the Blessed Virgin Mary is the prophecy of Simeon. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The second sorrow of the Blessed Virgin Mary is the flight into Egypt. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, 
and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The third sorrow of the Blessed Virgin Mary is the loss of the child Jesus for three days. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The fourth sorrow of the Blessed Virgin Mary is the meeting of her Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, on the way to the cross. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The fifth sorrow of the Blessed Virgin Mary is the crucifixion of our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The sixth sorrow of the Blessed Virgin Mary is the taking down of the corpus from the cross. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The seventh sorrow of the Blessed Virgin Mary is the laying of Christ in the tomb. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, weeping and mourning from this veil of tears. Turn then, O gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy unto us. And after this, our exile, shew unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O sweet, O clement, O loving Virgin Mary. O most sorrowful mother, teach me to share thy sorrow at the death of thy son. Blessed Virgin Mary, Our Lady of Compassion, I turn to thee with a filial confidence. You shared fully in the work of our Lord Jesus Christ, whose death brought life to the world. Help me now to understand the truth of divine compassion. Teach me to accept the sufferings that come into my life as you accepted obediently your own deep sorrows. Loving Mother of the Redeemer, you consecrated yourself by submitting to the divine plan Obtain for me the grace to make my own submission to the same wise providence, both now and at the hour of our death of my death. 
Amen. For all of us in all our struggles, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. O most sorrowful and immaculate heart of Mary, pray for us. O most sorrowful and immaculate heart of Mary, pray for us. O most sorrowful and immaculate heart of Mary, pray for us. O most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. O most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. O most sacred heart of Jesus, thy kingdom come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The seven sorrows of the Blessed Virgin Mary are probably one of the most powerful devotions that I've ever come upon uh, for myself, and that's the reason why I'm so eager to spread them. And I'm not alone. Father Chad Ripperger, who I'm sure that y'all have heard me mention before because I listen to him and enjoy what he has to say, uh, he was he's responsible for founding an order of exorcist priests who are called the Dolorans, uh, who are named for the, he's, I think they're called the Order of the Seven Dolors of the Blessed Virgin Mary or something to that effect. Uh, and he is a, a great devotee of the, of the Seven Sorrows as well. And St. Alphonsus was as well. And uh, they appear in a variety of different forms. Uh, but really any devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary inevitably also accompanies a devotion to the Sorrowful Heart of Mary since her pure heart was such that it was uniquely and perfectly capable of bearing the severe sorrows that were heaped upon her because of her closeness to Christ. And this is a truth that our faith teaches us that the closer we are to Christ the more we shall suffer because the more we shall share in his suffering. And this is not a Christian teaching that is unique to the Roman Catholic Church either. This is something that is taught in the East. Uh, It's something that's even taught by um, several uh, Protestant groups that have wised up to it. uh, it, it It flies directly in the face of evangelicalism in this country, which believes that if you're close to God, he makes you happy because God wants you to, God loves you and wants you to be happy. Uh, I hear that. I have heard that so many times, especially living down here in the South. I've heard that so many times. It uh, it saddens me. It used to sicken me. It saddens me now because these people will never know the, the redemptive quality of suffering. The people who preach that God wants you to be happy in this life are the same people who drive people away from the faith when suffering occurs. Instead, our, our faith our faith is unique because we are the only faith that gives meaning to suffering the only other faith that talks with any kind of of in any kind of detail about struggle and suffering is buddhism and the buddhists believe that you should avoid that that the, the goal is to eliminate suffering by eliminating attachment so even they're trying to escape it only Christ gives meaning to suffering. Our entire faith is founded on suffering. The Muslims attempt to conquer it. The, the Jews 
they they explain they explain it, but they don't give real deep meaning to it. It's still something hateful to them. It's always a punishment of some sort. Their suffering is always punishment. The Buddhists are trying to escape it because, like the Jews, the Buddhists view suffering as a punishment. Only Christians view suffering as a gift because it allows us, through our suffering, to separate ourselves from everything that is of the world and of the devil and to bring our pride back, draw back from our pride so that we draw nearer to the, to the heart of Christ, which is, a, which is a heart that is on fire with love for us and yet crowned with thorns and bleeding from its side. It is a suffering heart, just as the heart of our Blessed Virgin, of our Blessed Mother is a suffering heart. Because through their suffering, they draw closer to God. Because life, this is one thing the Buddhists do have right. Life is suffering. Life is struggle. And those who do not have the stomach for the fight will die the death. That's what our faith teaches us. Our faith is a manly faith where we take upon ourselves a great struggle, a great fight. We are always in battle against the enemy. And it hurts as all fighting hurts. But we conquer through embracing it. Or rather, Christ conquers in us. And that is why the suffering of the Blessed Virgin Mary is perfect suffering, because Christ conquers through the perfect suffering. That is why our Blessed Mother was given the privileges that she was shown, her assumption without death, her, her, her accompaniment of Christ throughout his life, and now sitting at his right hand, crowned as the Queen of Saints. There can only be one Queen of Saints. She alone has that title, that position that place in heaven it is a unique gift because of the perfection of her suffering and so what are the seven sorrows of the Blessed Virgin Mary we'll talk a little bit about them the first sorrow is the prophecy of Simeon which takes place at the presentation and the one thing about these is that several of them are sorrows that accompany joyful mysteries the the first and the third are both joyful mysteries of the rosary the presentation and the finding of the child Jesus in the temple. And here in the midst of the joy, though, is also the sorrow that accompanies what Christ must undergo because of our fallen nature, which is that uh, Saint Simeon, when he, this is, this is the old man Simeon who was promised by God that he would see the Messiah before he died, and he looks upon the babe the Christ child and says Lord let us now thy servant depart in peace for mine eyes have seen the glory of thy salvation and he says to our blessed mother and she of course she walk, it's, you know, the scene is cast in the scripture and she walks in she's very happy and so is St. Joseph with this precious baby boy who is the son of God St. Simeon speaking with the voice of God to her says this child shall be for the rising and the fall of many in Israel, and a sword also shall pierce thy soul. And it said, it says in the scripture that Mary 
meditated upon this in her heart and held it in her heart. I believe is what it says. She held it in her heart. And she went through the rest of her life with Christ, always bearing in mind the prophecy of Simeon, which is the fulfillment of all that was revealed to her by the archangel Gabriel when she was told that she would be the mother of God. And so she goes through her life with this. So I despise that silly Christmas song, Mary, Did You Know? Yes, she did. She was told in the temple. And she was told by the Archangel Gabriel. Yes, she knew. But uh, laying that aside, and this is, this is the problem. With we, if you read scriptures, and this is, it's so important. It really is. It's why the church at Trent said that the, the study of Scripture was so important. It's why the Dewey Rames Bible exists. Because if you read the Scriptures and read them carefully under the, under the, guiding, uh, with, with the guidance of the doctors of the church, then every question you could possibly have will be answered. It's so important. That's why Bishop Sheen put so much emphasis on the on the scripture that's why so many of, of so many great saints have put so much emphasis on the scripture if you go through life with nothing but a rosary and a bible you can attain salvation and that that's a message for everyone who i know that i have protestant listeners i may have lost some some of the harsher things that i've said and i hope you forgive me for that but the scripture the love of scripture is a fundamental quality of a Christian as long as he's rightly guided laying that aside the second sorrow of the Blessed Virgin Mary is the flight into Egypt this is an incredibly difficult journey that must be made across Sinai to get to Egypt and there is a popular tradition that because of the suffering that they endured and Sinai at that time was ungovernable there were robbers and brigands everywhere. And there were little outposts that you might get to, but you might find they were taken over by pirates before you got there. And there's a popular tradition that the thief, who would have been a rebel and a brigand, crucified on the right hand of Christ, St. Dismas, had his conversion experience on the cross because our Blessed Mother prayed for him at the foot of the cross because she saw his face and recognized him as one of the thieves that were kind to the Holy Family as they passed through Sinai into Egypt. It's a popular tradition. It's not one that's confirmed in the magisterium of the church, but it's a popular tradition. And so we know the dangers that they endured. And like the suffering that she would endure with Christ, and she was told that she would endure suffering with Christ, the first suffering that she endures is exile. Exile because Christ came unto his own and his own received him not. And so too she joins him in exile from his own people into this foreign land, the land of Egypt, the land of Pharaoh. And don't forget that in scripture, Pharaoh is always a metaphor for Satan. And so into the world of sin, they are cast, these pure, and God-loving people, St. Joseph the obedient and meek, our Blessed Mother, the pure, the Immaculata, and of course our Blessed Lord, God in the flesh, cast into the kingdom ruled by Satan, Egypt, the land of the pharaohs. And they must face many trials, great poverty, 
and they return to go to Nazareth, which is a place so marked by its faithlessness that when Nathaniel is told that, our, that uh, they have found the Messiah, he is Jesus of Nazareth, his response is, can anything good come from Nazareth? And so even after the flight into Egypt, they return back to, uh, back to Judea, and they don't actually settle in Judea, they settle in Galilee, which is to the north, in the barren wastes that were once the ten tribes. The third sorrow is the loss of the child Jesus. And this is a terrible time for our Blessed Mother because this is a, a, she is separated from Christ. This is in many ways the most oppressive suffering because it is the only one of her sorrows that she is not with Christ to endure. She, like all of us, must endure some time apart from Christ, separated from him. And being separated from him, being deprived of his presence, a deep soul-searching must accompany it, as she asked what she must have done that would have displeased God so that he would have drawn away this great blessing that was placed upon her. Because our Blessed Mother, though sinless, completely sinless, all through her life, must indeed have at least had so keen a conscience as to accuse herself or at least search herself for all the faults that could possibly manifest themselves. For though she was immaculate, she too must have known that man is sinful. And though she was, she, although she never sinned, that did not mean that she did not have a keen conscience. And her sorrows were made all the keener by that. And that's why she does reparations for us all the way through her life. She does prayers and reparations for the sins of others. None of them are satisfactory reparations, of course. She's not Christ. Christ alone gives satisfactory reparation for our sins and, and frees us from death and the devil. But our Blessed Mother, too, through her life of sorrow, is an example of penitence on behalf of mankind. Not personal penitence like Mary Magdalene, who was a sinner and did repent, but penance on behalf of mankind by the pure and blameless. And in this way, she is very close to her son and follows in his footsteps. And this is an example of the beginning of that life of penance on behalf of mankind when she's deprived of her son's presence. And she goes through this for her entire life leading up to the public ministry of her son when she's finally just entire, she leaves the picture altogether from, uh, from scripture and from Christ's ministry. And she re-enters again at the crucifixion. And she meets Christ on the way to the cross. And this sorrow is the realization that the time has at last come for him to fulfill his mission. And her heart is crucified with his, nailed to the cross at his feet. And so the last four sorrows are in many ways a single sorrow, one building up upon another. She meets Christ on the way to Calvary and accompanies him up, the, up that rocky and barren hill watching him fall 
watching the cross fall upon him, crushing him against the earth. Seeing the soldiers and how cruelly they treat him. And Christ himself intense, intensely uh, attuned to the sorrows of those he loves. He wept at the death of Lazarus, even though he knew he could bring him back. He sees his mother and his heart is pierced, knowing her sorrow. And her heart is pierced, knowing his suffering. And knowing how much he must be suffering on her account, because he sees her sorrowing. And there is this mutual sharing, this perfect union of the suffering of the cross in that moment when they meet. The two hearts brought together to become one. And she accompanies him to the cross and he is crucified, her fifth sorrow. There at the foot of the cross, praying in sorrow, never wailing, never pouring out all of this human emotion and passion and grief. We see that a lot in the film adaptations and in the, in the portrayals of our Blessed Mother. But our sorrowful mother is like the sorrowful mother at her sixth sorrow, at the Pieta. When you see the Pieta, you see a woman who is heartbroken. But she's not wailing. She's not keening over the over the corpse of her son. But rather, hers is a, like everything that she does, it is a modest and withdrawn sorrow. It is a deep and abiding sorrow, but one which wells up in the heart, not one that bursts forth like passion. She doesn't throw a temper tantrum at the foot of the cross. And how sacrilegious it is to portray our Blessed Mother in that way. It truly, it shows, it, it, that those portrayals of our Blessed Mother wailing and keening at the foot of the cross show a passionate sinner, not the Immaculate Mother of God. Because one who is perfect, who is sinless, who is a saint, the tear, their tears are not like that. The tears of the penitent are not like that. They are hot tears, passionless tears which carry with them the sins out of the body. And as she holds her son, and we come to the seventh sorrow, when she lays him in the tomb, where once again she will be separated from him for three days, as she was when he went into the temple. And at this final sorrow, it is the final sorrow because there is that glimmer of hope at the end, that little silver lining, that, that lens flare at the top corner of the sorrow, because she knows in her heart that Christ has come to redeem the world and that the resurrection is there in the tomb with him and it will burst forth. And so my prayer is that in all of our sorrows, we retain the bright hope of the resurrection and that we never fail to reflect upon the horrors and the enormity of the crucifixion as our Blessed Mother experienced it so that we may surely and, and properly share her sorrows at the death of her son and in so doing 
share in a part of her glory at his resurrection, his ascension, at his sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, whence he shall come again to judge the quick and the dead, and his kingdom shall have no end. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.